You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares from the wellsprings of Jewish spiritual teaching and practice and guides us on a path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine. So we're making our way slowly to Tefillah Amida to the the core central tefillah itself, and eventually get into the the words and structures of the prayers and the way that we say them, both the words and the body positions and postures that go along with them. We've looked at Adonai Sfatai Tiftach, at the three steps back, the three steps forward. We've looked a little bit at Avodah uh, Ta'otiot, the way that we engage with letters, um, according to the Torah, the Baal Shem Tov. Before we get into things like structure and words and forms, um, we have one very prominent word. It's the very first word of the Amida itself, and it's it's a word we say all the time. A religious act we do all the time that really requires some exploration and unpacking um, because it forms a, a yesod, the foundation of all the tefillot and, and, and a lot of our active religious life. And that word is baruch. And that religious act, that act of devotion, is what we call bracha, making brachot. Um, it's probably the most common formula of the way that we address God in a daily, on a daily basis. From the moment we wake up, the earliest mor- moments of, of the morning, and each step of that morning routine, through our tefillot, to every time we eat, every time we go to the bathroom, before we eat, after we eat, um, all kinds of other occurrences in our life that evoke bracha or that require bracha, whether they be mitzvot, whether they be kiddushes and, and special holidays that have their brachot, and whether they be different kinds of birkot hashmiyah I had the pleasure of seeing a rainbow today in Yerushalayim and, and making a bracha on, on seeing the rainbow. But the thing about brachot is that they're so common and familiar that I think it really warrants some intention to kind of explore what is this thing that we're doing? What is a bracha in a devotional sense, in a sense of avodah, in a way particular way that we turn ourselves, orient ourselves towards God. And and in particular, what is what is the actual meaning of of this word Baruch or this phrase Baruch Hashem? So this shear is going to be a little bit different from some of the shearing we've had until now. I want to give in a sense a, a kind of skira, an overview of a few different approaches to examining this inyan of bracha. And, and I'm sharing sources that, to me, kind of come together to create a, a inclusive picture with maybe a number of different access points or different qualities to them, but, but particular faces of this practice and the meaning of bracha that I think can offer us points of connection and points of kavana and, and layers of meaning. So, for starters, I want to just read to you the words of the Shulchan Aruch in Orachayim Siman Hay. 
the the Mechaber says Yechavein bibrachot perush hamilot. Shulchan Aruch brings us a halacha that when we make brachot, we have to have kavana as to the meaning of those words. And he takes it to the to the direction of the different names of God that we use, right? That we mention God's name. We have to have kavana that we read it as adnut alaftal nun yud, and what does that quality mean? And really, it's written yud kevavke. What does that quality mean? But before we even get to God's names, we've got another word we have to have kavana for, and that's the word baruch. So what does it mean, Baruch? What does it mean to say to God, Baruch Atah? I think in, in kind of common, and I'd say even just unconscious religious life, we say, oh, you, you make a bracha for God. <laughs> and that commonly means either something like, you know, God gave you something, so you've got to recognize that God gave it to you and, and sort of give to God in return, some kind of transaction, some kind of uh, religious toll that we need to pay before we have permission to take something and that kind of gives us the permission to to take this uh, food or fruit or what have you that's that's kind of one way i think people maybe generally relates to making brachot over mundane acts and uh and the other i think common conception of it is uh, you give god a bracha giving god a bracha if I were to ask you what does it mean to give God a bracha, that seems to be a very troubling statement. And this is something that a lot of the um, people who have talked about this from the times of the Rishonim through the Achronim, Poskim, and, and, and Kabbalists, and, and Mefarshim, and, and what have you, everyone's troubled by this, this question. What does it mean, Levarech et Hashem? And the place in the Torah where this comes up most prominently is in the one place we have actually a mitzvah to be mevarech Hashem. And that is in Parshat Ekev, where the mitzvah that for us is the basis of Birkat Mazon, You shall give bracha, you shall mevarech Hashem. And here's a, a kind of common launching point for a lot of the the explorations we're going to look at. So I want to start by sharing one perspective which a lot of the medieval Rishonim took, um, where from just a theological perspective, they were very troubled by the idea that you, you, us, human beings, could somehow bless God. That the Torah would somehow be saying we have something to, to give God that God doesn't have without us. And, you know, that was coming from their philosophical um and theological viewpoint that God is is complete and a whole and is not needing of anything from from creatures like us. And so I want to share you share with you the words of the Sefer Chinuch or the perspective of the Chinuch. Sefer Chinuch goes through a a long kind of unpacking that it cannot be that we have something to give to God in bracha, but rather he casts the entire inyan of brachot as being what he calls a toar, a descriptive term, and not an action, not an activity, not a poel. And the truth is, in the wording baruch atah, it really is an adjective. You are baruch. You are baruch. We don't know what baruch fully means yet. But 
when we are turning to God and saying, Baruch Hashem, it's not so crazy to say we're describing something about God rather than doing something to God. In the words of Sefer Achinuch, he says that we are, it is, it is a hazkara. A bracha is a reminder. It's to arouse our nefesh, our soul, through the words of our mouth, a kind of wake-up call to us to become aware of the fact that God is the mevarech. God is the source of bracha. God is the that which includes all goodness. And when I am encountering goodness, be it through birkatanenin, through what we call brachot over um, pleasures, you know, foods and, and things like that, and smells, or whether it is through brachot of tefillah, where I'm asking something from God. Whenever I'm saying baruch according to the chinuch, I'm starting from this vantage point where I need to remind my, not only myself mentally, but in a hitoruta nefesh, I need to wake up my senses and my visceral experience to the fact that what I am encountering here I'm turning to God as the source of blessing, as the source of goodness. The goodness that I'm receiving now or the goodness that I'm hoping to receive. And just to share his words, from the awakening of this goodness, of this realization of goodness in our nefesh, in our embodied, visceral, sensate experience. And the unifying, the concentration of our awareness and thought. To give acknowledgement, to recognize, to be in full awareness that any goodness of this world, the source of it is God, and it is in God's hand to bestow it. So he explains through this kind of arousal and awakening to this realization, we can merit to draw. God's bracha upon us. Meaning, he starts by saying, this is a reminder for ourselves. And he goes one more step to say that bracha actually can have an effect. It's not the effect that it does something to God, but it does something to me, to bring me, position me in a place that I can receive that goodness that that God is the source of, that God holds in a sense, it's a process of reminding, of, of developing an awareness, and of, of self-refinement to the point where I, in a sense, bring myself closer to the source of that goodness, and that through that I may merit to receive it. So he's explaining here a way that theologically Baruch Atah is comfortable for him, and that religiously, devotionally, we're not saying that tefillah is just uh, you know, self-talk. There is some kind of effect, but that effect too, through bracho, through bakashot, that he gives examples of in, in the rest of his writing there, he says that is allows us, enables us to come closer to the source of bracha. And that's kind of the, the mechanism that he, he describes here. And he, he says, again, very succinctly, The word baruch, it's a, it's a descriptor, it's an adjective. It is the acknowledgement and recognition that God is includes all brachot, all blessing, um, all abundance. So that's the Sefer Chinuch.
Baruch being a description of God's quality of goodness that is all-inclusive and whole and complete that I am trying to come close to, to be a worthy recipient of, or at least an open and aware receiver of. Now, I'm going to read to you here um, from Sefer Nefesh HaChaim, Nefesh Chaim Velazhner, who is speaking about the meaning of Baruch, and here he doesn't reference the Chinuch by name, but he seems that he is referencing both the um, approach of the Sefer Chinuch and other of the Rishonim, among them the Sefer HaIkarim, who, Rav Yosef Alba, who, who say that Baruch is a kind of praise, it's a praise of God, right? Uh, we didn't see that word just now from Sefer Chinuch, but if I'm saying God is a source of all goodness, it's it's a kind of a kind of praise and recognition. So Nefesh Chaim in in Sharbet, in Perik Bet of Sharbet says the following: Ha'inyan ki milat Baruch eino l'shon tihila v'shevach k'mo sheshuma b'fnei ha'amon. He says the word Baruch. It's not a description of praise. It's not a word of 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 Tehillah to God, as many think. For example, we have this wild Gemara in Brachot of Zayin, where God says to Rabbi Ishmael, the Kohen Gadol, in the Holy of Holies, Ishmael b'ni barcheni. Ishmael, my son, give me bracha. Barich uti. Bracha me. And in Rabbi Ishmael's response, there's no praise of God. He makes a direct request. He says, May be your will before you that your compassion, that your mercy over, overcome and overpower your anger. And the description there in the Gemara is that God nods, nods in response. And he brings other, other examples in the Gemara, um, the Gemara that actually, that comes around to reference the the mitzvah in Parshat Ekev, Achatav Zavata Uverachta Tashem, to to say in the end here that that it seems that bracha is actually something that God requires of us or somehow receives from us. In the language of the Chachamim, it's Tzorech Gavoha. It's not just Tzorech Hediot. Brachot are not just things that we lowly creatures need. It's there's there's an elevated supernal higher need of bracha. There's a divine tzorech need, which is exactly the thing that all of the Rishonim were bothered by. How could you say that the divine needs? The Nefesh HaChaim goes on to, to say that many of these examples of bracha, right, what he says here when 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 Yaakov says to Esav, Kachet birchati, take my bracha. When the Torah says, Barech elach mecha, Barech pribinacha, that God will bless your, the, the, bless your fruit, bless your bread, will bless the fruit of your womb. Many of these psukim where we use the word bracha, if shalafarsham shantila v'shevach, it cannot be words of praise. Yaakov didn't say to Esav, take my praise. We don't say God's going to praise your bread and your sustenance and your children. No. We're saying God's going to give you Bracha. God's going to give you more of these. And that's how we commonly say, you know, you have bracha in your livelihood, you have bracha in your family, you have bracha of health. It means that you have a lot of it. And he says here, bracha in these instances, it's a lashon of tosefet, of addition, of ribui, of increasing, 
of multiplication, of expansion. That somehow Baruch is not merely describing some praiseworthy quality, the goodness that God contains as the source of goodness, but rather Baruch Atah is actually describing some kind of process of expansion and perhaps even affecting a process of expansion, unfolding, and multiplicity. He goes on and he's quoting from the Zohar, which many places in the Zohar that speak about bracha in this much more active, dynamic way that the Zohar speaks about to draw brachot, to bestow brachot, to add and increase brachot, etc. He goes and he quotes from the, the Rai Mehemna, also in Parshat Ekev, dealing with this very same pasuk, Ve'achalta ve'savata ve'rachta. The Rai Mehemna, the section of the Zohar says, Baruch Hashem, Perusho Kimashma'o. Those words, Baruch Hashem, their meaning is exactly as it seems. La'am shecha, to draw, Arka chayin, and to bestow life, vitality, mimekora dechayin from the source of Chaim. Lishme Dekudshabrihu Kadisha, upon the name of Kaddish Baruch Hu, which we won't get into this week, but perhaps next week. Likewise, it says, You, we, somehow, in Bracha, the act of Bracha is something that bestows draws and expands bracha, in the language of the Zohar, life from the source of life, upon the name of God, upon the manifestation of life and of the divine in our world. Something we'll unpack further in another class, but, but this process that's being described of bracha as being an, an act of expanding something from source into manifestation, of drawing something out. And I think if we look at the Torah itself, it's not so crazy to think that bracha might in fact have to do with ribu and tosefet, with increase and multiplicity, with expansion, because the very first time we encountered the, the word bracha, the very first brachot of the Torah, are exactly about that. In the first parak, first chapter of, of Breshit, in the story of creation, Masa Breshit, on the fifth day, God creates the fish and the birds and all the sea creatures. And then in, in Breshit Aleph, Kafbet, it says, Vayivarach Otam Elokim. Hashem is Mevarech, Gizbracha, to these creatures. Lemor, saying, interesting that, that Bracha here as well is something that God speaks. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas. And may the birds increase upon the earth. The very first bracha is this divine pronouncement of increase and multiply. God turning to that which God has just created and, and, and saying whatever that means, forgot to say this, this to them, to those creatures, but saying to them, 
from you, I want you to create more of yourself. I want you to be fruitful, to multiply, to expand and fill the space that you live in. And then on the very next day, the sixth day of creation, when God says, let us create Adam, but let us create human beings, humanity in our own image, Hashem creates et ha'adam b'tzalmo in the divine image. B'tzalam Elohim bara'oto zacharun keva bara'otam. God creates male and female. Vayivarechotam Elohim. And God gives them bracha. Vayomer lahem and says to them, Vayomer lahem Elohim, Purvu milu'at ha'aretz v'chivshuha. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and command it. Here too, bracha is God turning to the creation and saying, I have created you, I want you to now create more of yourself from within yourself. In a sense, to draw on some kind of vital energy in your own being to reproduce and just as God creates these creatures for them to likewise have that divine-like quality of creating more of themselves from within themselves. Not so different than what the Nefesh HaChaim is explaining, Lashon Tosefet Veribui. You know, this word, Revu, 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 comes up over and over again. Make more, make more, make more of expansion. And not so different from the way that the Zohar seems to casually and commonly use this phrase. Bracha is something that's drawn out. Bracha is something that is increased. Bracha is something that is expanded upon. Bracha is something that draws from a latent, sourced energy. And from that source, energy of life, brings out more of it into manifest reality. This is the way bracha is originally used in its first instance in the Torah. So, what might that mean? In our context of people who speak bracha, who say brachot, who, you know, it's interesting actually, our common language, we make brachot, (laughs) we make a bracha. Bracha is something that we are actively doing. It's not just words that we say. What does it mean for us to make brachot if we take some of this into consideration? So I want to share a bit from the Arucha Shulchan, share a bit from Halachic and the Midrashic sources before we go into more Kabbalistic sources. Who the truth is, he himself is somebody who oftentimes seems to wed and unite together some of the Kabbalistic underpinnings with the halachic um, and even more philosophical uh, understandings and frameworks. So here, the Aruch Hashulchan on that same siman, siman hey in Orchaim, that's that's saying that we have to have kavana when we make brachot. Here, he's addressing what do these words mean. So he says, That which we say in all brachot, baruchata. comes back to the earlier Rishon and says, "You, it, it's impossible to say that God needs our bracha." Here he's back to he he holds by the opinion that it's tzarich 
It's not for God's sake. God is not needing our bracha. Ella hukmo or hachozer Rather, our brachot are like a returning light. The returning light sheyashpia birchato lanu. We are asking for God to pour God's bracha upon us. And we ask that by offering God an orchozer. In the Kabbalah of the Ariza, there's something called Or Yashar and Or Choser. Or Yashar is that which is shined outward from a source of luminance, from the source of light, like like the sun. The sun is the source of light, it shines out its light. God is, is the mashpia, is the giver, the source, and shines out. Shefa shines out light, shines out divine energy, and, and, and everything we have is a is a product of that or yashar. But the or choser, the or choser is our responsiveness, is our reflection of that light, is our recognition of that light. Like the light of the moon that reflects back the sun, the sun rays that that shine onto it. So when I make a bracha, I am in a sense reflecting back to God from the light that God is giving me. Kamosha Amar David, it's a beautiful pasuk from Shmuel Bet. Umi brachotecha yifurach beit avdecha leolam. From your bracha, God, the house of your servant will always be mivorach, will be blessed. That in a sense, I don't give to God something that God does not have. I reverberate back that divine energy that I've that I'm receiving back to its source. I turn back to God with that recognition. Again, back to some of those earlier um, perspectives of the Sefer Chinuch and the Rishonim. It's a kind of recognition that's coming from my end of as the receiver. But then the Chashuchan has to just, well, what's the point of it? The, 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 the Sefer Chinuch had his explanation. The Chashuchan says, what is this for? He says, why do we need to be the ones to arouse this? What is the purpose or, again, the effect of us reflecting back to God what God is giving to us, what God bestows upon us? And it's because it's based on this pasuk which he says, give power and strength to God. Klomar, in other words, the fish here the Archashulchan goes, kind of takes a, a U-turn or turns a 180 from that kind of more Rishonim, uh, more, you know, uh, human-based understanding that the brachot are, are something that are on our realm, that God doesn't need them. And he says, but actually there is a need. <laughs> there is a need, which is that the effect when we shine that light back to God, is that in a sense it gives God, again, the language of Chazal, adding strength to the crowds of heaven, to the court of the divine. And then from that effect, from that reverberation, the response from the creation back to creator somehow enables bracha, 
to descend upon us even more so. As it says, Rochiv Shamay Bezrecha, this is from Parsha Vizotabracha, the one who rides in heaven with your help. Mashapene says, Rochiv Shamay Bezrecha. First of all, just really curious to see that the word Rochiv is composed of the same letters Baruch. That Somehow the one who rides in heaven rides in the heavens with our help. You know, if I want to kind of make sense of this um, in a simplistic way, what we're doing, this or choser that the Yerachashulchan is describing is our recognition of where things come from, our recognition of, of God as the source of all that we have and all that we hope to receive. And so the one who rides in heaven, in a sense, the prominence of the divine in our lives is something that's actually created, at least in our consciousness, in our worldly interaction, through this kind of reflective orientation we have towards God, through the channel of Baruch, of Bracha. And he goes on to describe something about the way our brachot are formulated that I believe extends this idea. He goes on, he says that in all of our brachot and tefillot, we speak, we address God, in the language of presence. We address God in the second person. We call God you, as if here you are right here. And he goes on, he says, there's tefillot that have atahu, what's called nochach enistar. You are he, you are that, which is speaking to the you in presence and then speaking about you as a entity, as something, being that exists beyond what's right here in front of me. And he goes on, he explains that it's because we relate to God, when we relate to God as who and what God truly is, that's something beyond what we can address directly. But we address God directly, mitzad pu'ulotav, by means of, or by recognizing or relating to God's activity, that, that which we recognize as the divine expression or effect in our world. That's what we address as atah. So he says, therefore, when we ask for things in tefillah, for specific ways that God may act in our world, be it healing, be it um, sustenance, be it redemptive um, processes, what have you, justice. We speak to God as Ata, as you, because we want this visceral manifestation of your energy in our world, of your creativity in our world. Because we're speaking about God's pi'ulot. And when we address God through the brachot of birkot nehenim, through the brachot of her foods and drinks and smells and, and sights and other things like that, birkot shavach as well, we likewise speak to God as address God as a ta, because we are relating to that which we are witnessing before us. And here I want to actually suggests that, that the Aruch HaShulchan is, is in a sense touching some of what 
both explaining what he's hinting at in Rochev Shemaim Bezrech, and also, in a sense, explaining a little bit of what we saw in the Zohar that I said we'll explore more in another shiur, but may, maybe unpack just a, a slightly more here, which is that Baruch Atah Havaya, Baruch Atah Hashem, is to draw life from the source of life, onto the name of God. That the Archashuchan in a through this like linguistic lens, through this and through this halachic lens, is saying something not so different. That a bracha is in a sense recognizing and relating to and urging more of this form of divine expression, the atah, the pu'lot that we can witness and relate to, we acknowledge and turn and send that reflective light back to its source and ask for more of it to come into our world. That is asking for, in the words of the Zohar, life from the source of life, to be drawn onto what the Zohar calls the name of God, the manifestation of how I can relate to and recognize and call on and witness divine activity in my world. Rochev shamayim be'ezrecha, there is a name of God in my world because of my recognition and realization of what I see before me coming from God. We name God, so to speak, by our awareness and, and turning ourselves towards God as our source, which is, in the language of the Orcha Shulchan, the language of the Kubalim, the Orchoser, that reflective light that itself actually has a greater hashpa'a, a greater effect that, that is generated from it. And I, I'm not going to go into this source in depth, but I, I really encourage you, if you have access to it, there's a sefer called Artsot Achayim from the Malbim, Mabim, who's known very well for his Perush on Tanakh, his commentary on all of Tanakh, um, also wrote a commentary on the Orachayim of the Shulchan Aruch. And in this same halacha, halacha 5, in about Kavanot HaBrachot, he gives a, a beautiful kind of run-through of a lot of the main um, opinions and approaches to the meaning of Bracha. And towards the end of his um, explanation here, he says that in Nigle, in again the formulation of how we say brachot, there is a reference or expression of this kind of relationship, this sort of effect and meaning of bracha, which is that tiknuha brachot b'leshonochach v'nistar. So the Aruch Hashulchan said brachot are baruch atah, but the Malbim says it's actually nochach and nistar because it's both present and something that exists beyond. That's second person and third person. Because if you notice in the bracha, we say baruch atah, that's here in the immediate, and then we shift into Hashem, Elokeinu, Melech HaOlam, Borei Pri, the one who is creator of. We're already speaking about God in, in the third person, in Guf Shlishi, in a sense, we shift from the immediacy of you into speaking about the Creator. And he, similarly to the Aruch HaShulchan's description, speaks about God's essence and God's um, activity. 
But he says something so beautiful I just wanted to share here is that the nigla and the ne'elam, that from God which is revealed and manifest before us, that which is concealed and hidden to us, mishulavim echad elechad, they, through the bracha, through the language of bracha and our recognition of in, in making brachot, is that those two qualities of what is here and what is beyond here or not visible to us, but but deeply embedded at the base and core and root of all that we experience, they are united one to the other. Attached like a flame to a coal, like a fire to a wick. When I receive a fruit or food that I'm about to eat, and I say, so I'm relating to the fire, so to speak, the flame that I witness. I witness the manifestation of God's bracha in the world. And I orient myself towards God in saying bracha. But then it already opens me to a greater realization that there is a hidden, concealed, and and infinite source to this that I've received, which I then begin to speak of, or at least speak of its activity and unfolding as Hashem Elokinu Melech Olam Priha, the one who is the creator of, of all of this, the source of this, which is greater than this particular element, this particular food that I'm about to eat, but but it's that food that puts me in touch with that deeper source. And this is what the Malbim is describing, the bracha is in a sense unifying the flame with the coal, the expression with its source. And on this note, I want to bring us into the next sources, another meaning of bracha, which a lot of the Sifri Kabbalah speak of, and, and really it's rooted in, in the, the Medrash Chazal. If you remember, when God first addresses Avraham Avinu, God then says to Avraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I will give you bracha. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you will be bracha. And the truth is, Avraham is the person of bracha. God goes on, Or, I will bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. And all families of the earth will be blessed through you. There's just language of bracha, bracha, bracha all over Avraham. And, and if you follow some of the story of Avraham, he really is a person who bracha um, appears in his life in many ways, most notably in his encounter with Machitzedek and the war of the four and the five kings. But 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 I want to come just to, to those words that God says to Avraham, bracha, you shall be bracha. You shall be bracha. Chazal says, Read in this word bracha, brecha. Brecha is a pool. Remember saying when God says to Avraham, become bracha, God is saying to Avraham, you shall become a pool. Just like a pool of water brings tahara to those who are tmeim, it purifies those who are impure. 
אף את מקרב רחוקים ומטהרם לאביהם שבשמיים, so too you shall bring close those that are distant, those that are distant, and purify them to their אביהם שבשמיים, to the father, to the parents in heaven. Now, if we just read this at face value, you could say, okay, Abraham, I guess he was the one who told people about God and And uh, so this is saying he'll be like a mikvah for people. People get, they start talking with Abraham and he lets them know that there's a God. But I think that it would do us a disservice to ignore bracha and brecha as being the primary um, words and the primary kind of portal of meaning that, that's describing this process. Bracha as brecha, as a pool that Avraham himself embodies, means that the people he comes in touch with are going to somehow be connected to their source. And now think about what we were just exploring in, in some of the Makara we saw. The bracha involves connecting something that we encounter to its source. Food, experience, things that we witness, things that we're asking for. The bracha, really the, maybe the primary meaning that, that runs throughout all of the different approaches to what a bracha is, is, is that. Is that bracha is, is about relating to the makor ha-brachot, to the source of all that, all that exists. And there's a famous Medrash Chazal, comes in the Gemara Sota, that, that it actually seems that Avraham himself used Brachot in the in the uh, imagination of Chazal, the Medrash Chazal, of, of as the way that that Abraham connected people to their source. You know the famous Medrash that that Abraham had his tent open on all sides, and and wayfarers would come, and he would he would let them rest, and he would help them drink and eat, and and recover and re- restore themselves, and they would thank him, and he would say, "Don't thank me, thank the one who's the giver of this." food that you just ate of this drink you just drank. Avraham taught people to make brachot. Avraham taught people, taught people how to recognize that what they receive, the source of vitality and of goodness that they experience in their bodies comes from the very source of all being and that there is such thing as a source of all being that we are recipients of. He taught the path of bracha as the way to bring an awareness of God to the people he encountered and bring them into an awareness of that larger context of, of reality. And the, the Medrash here is comparing that to a pool, to a pool of water. This image of a brecha is something that Many of the Sifre Kabbalah speak about when they speak about the meaning of bracha. For example, we see in the, in the relatively early Kabbalistic source, the Shari Ora, 13th century, um, Rav Yosef Chikatilia was a Talmud of, um, of Rav Abraham of Abu Lafia and wrote, wrote his book Shari Ora, basically walking through the different names of God and the names of the Sfirot, And here he's relating in particular to the, to the name Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, 
the name Adonai, which he says is, in a sense, the kind of recipient of all of the shefal, of the goodness from the source of God. It's stored in what's called Adnut. He even relates later in this in this section, this is in Sharishon, to something that we brought up in a few earlier classes in Hashem Sfatai Tiftach, that when David Melech calls God by this name, um, I suggested that that when we speak to God in this name, both when we enter our prayers and in general, I suggested that it's relating to the the bases and the um, courtyard of the Mishkan that held those pillars in place. It's in a sense the receptacle that grounds our ability to stand here vis-a-vis the divine and to exist here in God's world. So the name Aleph Dalanun Yud in the, in the words of the Shari Ora is the, the receptacle for all of the, the divine abundance and shefa from its source into a place where it can be um, related to in this world. And he goes on and he says, Vuhu kedimyon brecha. It's this quality of, of the divine that spreads out to provide for all living beings, which is like a pool. That a, a stream um, flows into umina brecha maspiki maim lahashkotatagan from this pool um, water is provided to water the garden vilishtot and to drink ulasharhatsrahim any any of the needs of this world. Umechanim batorashem alafdalanunyod bikinui bracha kiya bracha milasham brecha he says the Torah gives a a another in a sense coded reference or or a nickname, so to speak, to this quality of the divine, this this pool-like quality, that's what we speak about in the Torah, it's called bracha. Ki bracha melasham brecha. The word bracha comes from the word brecha. It's something that contains within it all of that pool of goodness that can then trickle out and provide and enliven and sustain and give to and help help all that exists thrive. He goes on and he he explains in light of this understanding the um, mitzvah, the halacha chazal that's brought in the Gemara, the chayev adam lebrach mei abracha b'chol yom, that there is a obligation to make a hundred blessings every day. He says beautifully that this is connected the hundred. Adne Kesef in the Mishkan. There were a hundred of these receptacles, these bases in the courtyard of the Mishkan, those Adanim, the Aleph Dal Nun Yuds, that held the space of God, grounded in place. It says that the hundred brachot that we make every single day are to draw that similar kind of quality. And in a sense, the image, if you could just imagine that these brachot, each one in a sense grounds godliness or, or divine shefa in a, in a specific way and all, and all together in a, sort, in a sense form a, a placeholder for to encounter God in this world. I can walk around my world not just saying brachot to, you know, pay my toll to God or to mindlessly 
you know, say the thing, the magic incantation I need to say in order to make this thing mine, or in order to just be the formula of my prayers. But what I'm what I'm just doing in the most simple sense is I am in this moment and in this particular way be it through something that I'm eating that's giving me joy and pleasure and sustenance, be it something that I'm asking for in tefillah, be it an act that I'm doing that's a mitzvah, every bracha I can bring to consciousness, here I am, consciously encountering the divine in this in this act, in this moment, in this experience, in this quality and area of life. And as I do that throughout my day, I'm, in a sense, placing these bases for the poles of a mishkan, a, a traveling sanctuary for God. I'm, 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 I'm constructing that in the way that I walk through my day, through my life, the way that I encounter each of these moments. And from here, I want to mention just a few more sources. The Rabbeinu B'chaya, back in our primary source really for Bracha, in, in Parshat Ekev, in Dvarim Chet, he likewise gives a beautiful kind of rundown of a lot of the opinions of the Rishonim, and Pshat, and Drash, and then Sod, as, as he, he oftentimes does, builds multiple layers of meaning. And he comes, and, and similar to we say, he say, to what we've said, he says, according to Kabbalah, bracha is not just a need for us. It's also likewise not merely a expression of gratitude and recognition. It itself is a word that evokes increase and expansion. What we've seen really in this image of the pool and what we saw from even the Yaruch HaShulchan is that what it means to be expanding in this way is that when we mivarech, when we engage in bracha, we enact bracha, we, our bracha itself is expanding, is expanding that divine quality into manifestation. That that is the effect in these in these understandings of bracha. It's not so much praising God for what God does. It's going a step beyond that, that through our recognition and and fully engaged awareness of God in this way, we are bringing more of that divine quality into the world. And, and you just think, well, what are you doing when you're making a bracha? You are expressing divine in this earthly material reality. I am expressing godliness in this moment. And he goes on and he says, Lashon uverachta in the in the Pasuk, and you shall mivarech in Yantosefer Ribui. It's it's referring to in, in an increase and in expansion. It's from the word, it's like a pool, a pool that's drawn out, drawing out water from its source. And now listen to what he says. He adds another another layer here. It also, he says, relates to the word of bending down. 
of kneeling. When Avraham sends his servants to go find a wife for Yitzchak, Avraham's servant brings the camels and Vayav Rechetagmalim. He kneels the camels down. With camels, it's it's actually very unique because their knees, if you've ever seen a camel, their knee is like a, itself kind of a, a pad that sits down on the floor. But bricha from Lashon Berech, from a knee, has to do with coming down to the ground. He goes on and says, The one to whom every knee bends. It's written in the, the Bahir, ancient Kabbalistic source, Mai Mashma, it's attributed to Rabbi Nechunah ben Hakana. Mai Mashma dahai bracha lishna devarichu. Sefer Bayer says, what could it mean that bracha is from the Lashon of barich, of barech, of knee, and of kneeling? And here I'm going to share for you in the words of the Bahir. Maybe bracha is not just about, about being blessed, but maybe bracha is about knees, as it says in Yeshayahu Memhei, you recognize those words from Aleinu Shabayach, every knee will bend, will bow to me. Makom shekol berach korea, the place to which all knees Bend. The Bahir brings a, a analogy. What is this similar to? What is this Baruch, this Bracha, this knee-like Bracha similar to? Those who want to see the face of the king, but they don't know. Where does the king live? Where is the king's house? Just to give you some context, the Bahir here in the opening sections of the, of the Sefer is talking about the meaning of, of Bereshit, Baralukim, of our world, our creation, beginning with the letter Bet, something that Chazal speak about, that the Zohar speaks about, and all of them, and the Bahir included, come and say it's because Bet is Baruch. The world is created through Baruch. The world is created through Bracha. And when the Bahir here is giving an, an illustration of this, we're looking to see the face of the king. We don't know where is Beito, where is the king's Bayit, where is the letter Bet? Where is the place where I will encounter the king? So if they're looking to meet the king and they don't know where the king lives, the first thing they ask is, where is the king's house? And then only afterwards do they say, and where is the king? Therefore, the buyer says, Every knee, every one who wants to seek me will first start through bracha, will first start through kneeling towards me, for searching my house and then searching for me. I'm not going to purport to understand what the buyer is talking about. But one thing that I notice here, well, a few things that I notice here, <laughs> are that the buyer is saying, Baruch is like a knee bending down. 
And one who searches for the divine first needs to search for the house of the divine and kneel to that house and then can ask to see the face of the king. Now if we think about our world being created with a bet, our world being created on the foundation of bracha, if I think about the way that bracha, both of what we've seen and how it's practiced, is bracha is the way that we relate to God really through the activities and needs of our life, of our embodied earthly life, of the food we eat, of the activities we do, the mitzvot we do, the things that we need and ask for in tefillah. Bracha is that language of communication with God in this most visceral confrontation and encounter with me being a creature and there being a creator. And so when the Bahir says that to, to ask for the house of the king, I first kneel and bend, my knee bends, the image that comes to me is I bring myself down to the earth. Before I can see and ask where is the king, I first need to look for the king's house. And, and it seems to me that potentially where bracha points me to look for the king is I look to the earth. I look to, the, to that which the king creates. I look to my surroundings. I look to the ground. I look to the creation. It's the house, the bet, the bet of Breshit. It's the house of the king. And it's only once I can really engage with the house that I can begin to ask, and where is the king? But I first have to come into the house. And one way in which this makes sense to me in a very visceral way, in practical ways, you know, think about Birkot HaNehenim, our most common form of brachot, just the, the foods we eat. What does Birkot HaNehenim mean? It means bracha of pleasure, bracha of enjoyment. And you know, Birkot HaNehenim, it's not just this generic thing, if you eat something, you have to make a bracha. That's not what it means. What it is, in a halachic sense, is when you are enjoying and deriving pleasure from this world, from God's creation, it is that pleasure that's the catalyst for making a bracha. It's experiencing the kitov, the vayar Elohim kitov, experiencing something of goodness from this world, that is the experience upon which I proclaim Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Borei whatever it is that I'm engaging with and it's so much so that halachically speaking if there's food that I'm eating that I don't enjoy for example food that I'm ingesting for medicinal purposes but not because I like it I don't make a bracha there is no birkot because it's not a pl- the pleasure that I'm connecting with Bracha is not about paying a toll to take something. Bracha is about encountering goodness in my embodied experience and being awakened by that encounter to the source of that. Making space for God within my own experience of goodness in this life. So to come back to the Bahir, to come to the Reina Bahaya, where do I look for the king? I first have to enter the house. I have to bend my knee. 
I have to bring myself into this universe, <laughs> into this field that God has opened up for me and is in this place that I can experience being in the house and then relate to the king. You just look at how the bracha is formulated, baruch atah. I start with the baruch. That word baruch is, is describing my experience of goodness, is describing my encounter, my confrontation with here is something that is flowing out, that is emerging, that is, if we bring the pool image into here, that is dripping into my field of experience. It's Baruch. And then from Baruch, I then name it. I don't even name it, but I, I, I personify it. I say, Atah. I, I recognize that this Baruch, this experience, this drop of something that I'm being touched by now, there is a you within it. There is a you behind it. Then all of a sudden, I'm relating to it as, as one to the other, as one to the ultimate expansive you. And then I say your name. That we will get to in another class. <laughs> but then I say you'd give up. I recognize that that expansive you is, is, is manifesting here as as Havaya, Elokeinu Melech all these different qualities and ways in which God is, is giving to me in this experience, is, is unfolding this experience through me and in this encounter. And then I make it specific. And the image of my knee coming down to earth is the image of me connecting deeply, descending into my embodied earthly experience to come into the house. And then in the house, which is Baruch, once I'm in the space of Baruch, of experiencing what is flowing outward, what is emerging here, then I can begin to turn to Atah. Then I can ask, okay, Anahamelech, where is the king? In a depersonalized sense, in a, a kind of schema that's not about my own experience, we can look at bracha similar to the pool that allows for a river to trickle out from it or drops to sprinkle out. We can also see bracha coming as something that comes from its source, in a sense, the way that, that a body kneels to the earth, that it's something that descends from source into, into earthly manifestation. And the last, the last makor I want to share with you today is taking this idea and really brings together some of these ideas and expands it and articulates it in a very powerful way. I'm going to read to you in a moment from the Marhe Nine from the Chernobyl already, but the other meaning of the of the words Bet Resh Kaf, Bet Resh Kaf, we see in um, the Mishnah, Mishnah Kilayim, of 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 Mavrichim Etayilan, Kitzad Mavrichim Etayilan, or Hamavrich Etayilan. Lavrich means to graft a tree. 
there's a few ways that uh, the Chazal describe this. One is that you take a, a branch of a tree that's planted in the earth, the tree that's that's standing in the earth, and bend its branch down into the ground to allow the tree to re-root. And from that re-rooting to grow into a new tree. And the other way of Avracha is to take the, the branch of one tree and attach it with another one and allow them to, to unite in their in their in their growth. Forms of grafting. So now look what the Morinaim says. This is from the Morinaim, Parsha Lechacha, that God says to Avram, Avarechacha, I will mevarech you, says the Morinaim, Lashon Havracha. Avarechacha, when God says to Avram, it's God is saying, I'm going to plant my roots in you. I'm going to graft myself upon you. Ki ha-Torah because the Torah is a tree of life. It's a tree. It's a tree of life. V'kudshabrichu v'oraytachad, nikra. Gam ken etzchayim. And God and Torah are one. God too is the tree of life. V'zehu ilana ravrava v'navrech b'ilana zuta. He says, this is the great tree. The all-inclusive tree being grafted upon the little tree. Hu ha'adam. This is the human being. God saying to Avram, from my great tree, I'm going to attach my branch to your branch. I'm going to attach my roots to your roots. I'm going to take root in you. Avarechacha is one tree inserting its roots into the other, inserting its branch into the other's branch, allowing this small tree, which is, in a sense, similar to its great mighty tree, but allowing it to be nourished by and sustained by and energized and, and thrive and grow and sprout from the very life essence and vitality of that great tree. And I think here this image of Havracha, of grafting, helps us understand a little bit more what some of the mefarshim we saw were trying to explain of the effect of making brachot, of saying brachot, somehow having something to do with bringing bracha into the world. And that's because in this image, when I am attached to my source, when me, as the Adam, the Ilana Zuta, the small tree, is infused with the great tree, so the effect of that, right? that is the bracha. Bracha is the tree attaching to the tree. So the effect of that, when God's tree takes root in me, so to speak, or through me, so then it produces more fruits. It produces even more trees. But it is the transmission of that essential vital energy through a created being that can then bring out even more of that very same productivity, that generative energy, that fruit, that flower, the flowering and the growth. So we shared a lot of different images here, a lot of different frameworks in which to understand and approach bracha. And my intention here is really to kind of just open up these different access points 
really primarily, first and foremost, to open up the question, just, just to stop for a moment when I'm making a bracha. What am I doing? What am I doing? What is this? What am I saying? What is the state of mind, emotion, body that is aligned with, with what is happening here, with what I am about to engage in? How do I stand in that place of bracha? How do I engage with it? How do I experience these words as they come through me? How do they help me enhance or draw my attention to that which I'm engaging with, be it a food, be it an activity, be it a request? Opening myself for something to be moving through me in this encounter. And then any of these images or all of these images can, can all play a role, the pool, the fountain, the tree, the knee coming to earth, the increase and expansion and unfolding of source into manifestation. They can all come to, to help give me a model of, of how to engage in this as, as an avodah that's, that's going to be meaningful, it's going to be opening, and that's going to be engaged between me and my creator. My kavana from here is for, for these things to help guide us in our, in our ensuing learnings. We'll look next time at uh, a particular expression of bracha as it pertains to tefillah, and uh, take it from there. Kaltuf. Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.